I'm back. I'm back. Oh, my back. My back. Yeah, that's right, everybody. I'm back after not being a part of the Spider-Man No Way Home predictions pod last week due to the storms around the area, to not having any power. I'm back this week, and boy, do we have a pod for you guys talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. It's finally here, everybody. No more anticipating. No more worried about being spoiled for some, for most people. It's finally here. It's a tangible thing, and we are going to talk about it on this edition of the Entertainment from the 573. Thank you guys for tuning in, and I'm joined by Peter Lewis to talk about everything Spider-Man. Peter, holy crap, we're finally here, buddy. Well, I, I just want to make the joke. Since we are millennials, we you are back, but also your back probably hurts like mine. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably, honestly, for all three of us, that's probably the most relatable aspect of this movie, is that our back at at various points has hurt here recently. (laughs) It's not going to get better anytime soon. Oh, it's just going to get worse, but I I can say, even with severe millennial back pain, after watching Spider-Man No Way Home, I feel like a little kid again in the best way possible. But not healthy. I'm slowly dying, so, you know, that that still stayed the same. But mentally... I feel I feel alive again. Oh man, yeah. Listen, this we had all been waiting for December sixteenth, seventeenth, or whatever day the movie came out. Whatever arbitrary it, day Sony decided to release this film in your country. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've all been waiting for this, and it's finally here. And just looking at all the stuff surrounding this film with the ticket sales and all this stuff with it being the third biggest Thursday night opener of all time, right behind force awakens and in game. I think it's only 10 million behind in game. You knew that th- this is something special. And you know, Peter, this is one thing I've been wondering about no way home. Of course, we're going to get to run the spoilers and all that stuff here in a minute, but we'll give you the warning. Of course, we'll give you the warning. It'll, it'll come yeah. pretty quick. Cause Let's be real. I know the big question is, are Toby and Andrew in this? And we're if you say yes or no, it pretty much spoils the film. So it'll be a very short initial thought section, and then it's just going to be a listen at your own risk. Right. So I had wondered how much of the pandemic was going to play a part in this. And I had wondered, you know, if people had not been coming to the movie theaters. There's still some people that are still hesitant. They're still concerned about it. Of course, we got the variant vi- uh, the COVID viruses out there. Some people are still worried, but I think there are a lot of people, even though they had not gone to the movie theaters all year, that probably planned on making this their return back to the movie theater. Plus, because it's Spider-Man, it's Marvel, and they got to be like you, me, and everybody else, that they've heard the rumors that, of who might be in this. They've seen the trailers with all the old villains in there, with Doc Ock and Goblin. They know, like you, me, and everybody else, that this film can be potentially something special with everything that it's looking like it's promising to be. And so, that's one aspect. I mean, just looking at the box office projections for the rest of this weekend, of course, this pod's probably going to be out when those projections are out and they're actually real. But right now, Peter, it's projected to get into that $240 million range. 
which is just insane to think about, considering we're still in this pandemic. I'll tell you, the, the current numbers I'm seeing right now, I have 165 worldwide. I also have 302.9 million. So it's for a pandemic box office. This is straight up pre, you know, the before times. It really is. It, and just looking at it, you kind of figured that this film was definitely going to be something that people were going to see. And it was going to really help boost the movie theaters, and I think it's probably going to happen. Uh, I know, Peter, uh, one of your favorite filmmakers and Paul Thomas Anderson, who, of course, has got his new film, Licorice Pizza, out. I'm excited for that one. He was talking about the movie theaters and how much the pandemic has really hurt that and, and was talking about the comic book movies. And, of course, if you've seen the trend here the last couple of years, you would get these high prestige directors. You get Villeneuve, you get Scorsese or Ridley Scott or somebody out there dissing comic book movies. PTA came in and said like, hey, these movies can actually help save this industry, can help save the movie theaters. Because listen, if they're going back and they're feeling comfortable to go back for this, who knows? Maybe they'll, they'll be able to come back and go see our movie. Because it's gonna this movie can bring people back to the theaters. And, you know, I, I think he's, he's on to something. PTA is on to something. And looking at the numbers early on, it, it's looking really strong. That possibility is looking really strong. Oh, yeah. And another name to add to that, I saw this recently. Uh, my boy, I think, who's quickly becoming your boy, Quentin Tarantino, is a self-confessed MCU fan since he grew up on Marvel Comics. Yep. Yeah, I think even someone like that would agree, who's especially him being so into filmmaking and all. Whatever gets you to the theater, I think, is good. If you're whatever you like, you like it all, of course. But yeah, you you shouldn't cheer the death of a film because it's not yours. So uh, as much as I love Scorsese's work, yeah, he's a he's a little bit of a in that regard. But hey, good on PTA here, Liquor's Pizza. If it's actually coming out, because uh, I want to from another Anderson, Wes Anderson. I want to see uh, French Dispatch, but it just didn't come out here at all for. I don't know, whatever reason. So, yeah, anything that helps the movie theaters, I will take. Because even though I think when July, when, when we finally had Black Widow come out, you know, a Marvel film returning to theaters, you know, they're still not making the money. And again, you know, HBO Max releases, Disney Plus releases, that kind of complicated everything. But yeah, th this one definitely shows you that the interest in going back to the movie theaters is there. And I can tell you from a, uh, walking into my showing because this is a, a newer theater for me within the past two years since I moved to Chicago. It's a fear attached to a mall in Juliet. It's a very nice cinemark. I'll give it that. It's got a good old Hollywood vibe. This is the most I've ever seen it filled up and it was giving me vibes of, you know, when me and the boys went to see uh, Force Awakens or the night mm -hmm. I was in Cape to see uh, Last Jedi or Infinity War Endgame's openings. They it, it felt big. It felt important. Like you, you realize, oh yes, this is a yeah. box office release or a blockbuster release, I should say. Yeah, In my theater. I went to, up the Cape. I went to see it on the DLX. It it was absolutely amazing, and like it was packed there. I went to B Dubs to eat before the theater was already packed. And then going in there, it was kind of crazy. Seeing everybody dressed up in Spider-Man merch. Like, you knew what everybody 
was there to see. And like it was so packed. And I had not been in a theater that packed in a long time. And it definitely gave me vibes to Endgame, to Infinity War. And like it, it was just kind of crazy. And I and I kind of told my sister, like, because me and her have been both heavily anticipating this movie and with all the nostalgia factors and whatnot. And I was feeling some kind of anxious before this movie. Like, I don't know what it was. Maybe I was just too anxious, but I could kind of feel like it, it feel feel a little bit of pain in my chest a little bit. Maybe that's how anxious I was. I, I almost and couldn't so, believe it was happening. <laughs> yeah. And so like I turned to my sister and like my chest is kind of hurting. Is this could this probably be due to anxiety? And her having experience with anxiety, it was like, probably so. And it was like, I don't know if I felt that way about Endgame. And that tells you a whole lot because of what this film could possibly bring. Like you mentioned at the top, could bring us back to our childhoods, can help bring the movie theater experience back in a positive way, and really give it a jolt that it needs. And so... I was so excited to be in a crowd that that I hoped was going to be reacting and exciting and all that stuff during the film, during some of the big moments. And I didn't get that with Endgame. I got it on Thursday, and I went back Friday night to see it with a friend of mine and a sister and a few of her friends. And while the theater wasn't quite as good and probably not quite not as packed, there's a lot of crowd reactions in there. And one of my favorite parts is just hearing people talk about it as we were exiting the theater, which is always fun. And so, like, man, this definitely, it definitely brought me back to those experiences with Endgame and Infinity War. More so Endgame, because after Infinity War, everybody's just kind of shell-shocked. Like, what the crap? <laughs> with with the snap and everything, everybody's just, like, shocked. Like, oh, crap, it happened. But, like... I'll tell you what, man, this was, you couldn't ask for a better experience. This was, I think, everything that we wanted it to be. Honestly, yeah, comparing to Infinity War and Endgame is perfect because those endings just, like, are completely shocking for numerous reasons because they're, you know, years in the making. Like, Infinity War, you knew something was coming. You didn't expect it to be, you know, the the people that got snapped, of course, and then Endgame. Of course, everyone knew who was coming back, but it's like, okay, who's behind the bullet here? Is it Cap or Iron Man? It turns out to be Iron Man, but you actually felt for it because it was his sacrifice. And, you know, they felt like two films that changed the landscape for the MCU. And I think for this, it definitely changes the landscape for not only Spider-Man in the MCU, but as well as the potential for what the Sonyverse is doing. And we'll get into that definitely uh, toward the end of the pod. because so I have some... Yes. Uh, I have a lot to say about that. Uh, that's probably the only gripe I have with this film, but everything else, uh, if you can't tell, we we highly, highly recommend this film. <laughs> yes, we, we I, highly recommend it. I'll say it right out of the gate. After being able to digest this for two days, yeah, this is this is the best Spider-Man film I've ever seen. Oh, man. Listen, I, I have seen so many people say that. I've seen so many people say best MCU film like the re-ring pod we're going to do next week with the Hawkeye uh, season finale is going to be a brutal mess because I actually have it in front of me. And I'm like, 
I'm looking at that top three. I'm like, oh boy, how is how is this gonna go? Yeah, somebody's probably going to move out of that top three, top five right there. Oh boy. Uh, I still don't know. I'm I'm still kind of wrestling with that how I feel about that, but it's like it's definitely for sure the best MCU Spider-Man film that we've gotten. Like it's not even close. Um, this one tops Homecoming, Far From Home. I think by a mile with what it does. And far from home, I mean, that was one where a lot of into the Spider Verse. I was like, dude, I I want to keep Spider Man two at number one, but those two are just you know they did so much that makes me want to challenge it. And well, here it was. <laughs> After uh, I have to do math real quick. Seventeen beautiful years. Oh, my lucky number seventeen. This is ironic. <laughs> After seventeen beautiful years, Spider Man two fell at number two. <laughs> <laughs> what a world oh yeah oh, I'm still debating with it I, I definitely think it's the best live action Spider-Man we've gotten since Spider-Man 2 for sure <laughs> That's, it, it's up it, there I think it, compared to all the Spider-Man movies we've had animated and live action if this isn't in your top 3 at least something's wrong with you <laughs> yeah like it's up there with Spider-Man 2 it's up there with Into the Spider-Verse it's up there with those three, and those three are the, the clear top three. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I think we pretty much... We have to go into spoilers right now discussing this film. So All I can really say for non-spoiler stuff is what we know was in there. Of course, they showed uh, Alfred Molina, William Defoe, and uh, Jamie Foxx, and I think those were the three best villain performances. Jamie Foxx's it's a night and day difference between this and uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, which uh, I don't know if I said in the pod, I kind of like Amazing Spider-Man 2 now in like a Batman and Robin kind of way. Like, you know what? When you like really remove, you know, the, the four screenplays that accidentally got into this one, because that film felt like, you know, the intern dropped like five, six screenplays and like shuffle them into one movie. <laughs> there was at least one or two good screenplays in that movie. But yeah, here yeah. he is. He is on fire in this one. Alfred Molina didn't miss a beat, but William Defoe and uh, oh. <laughs> I, I don't want to say what happens with him, but what the the choice they made in like how he's presented gave a much better performance and one that I'm thankful didn't happen in 2002 because I probably would have never seen that Spider-Man film. I would have been terrified of this version of William <laughs> Defoe. <laughs> Well, I remember when you guys were talking about uh, when Rebecca was talking about the Green Goblin sequence and the first one with Aunt May. Oh, yeah. that's that's a lot of nightmare fuel, fuel right there. The we thought that was nightmare fuel scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, you hadn't seen nothing yet with this one. So, I think everybody, here's your spoiler warning: if you want to get out, get out, and if you haven't seen the movie yet. Go and see it and come back. If you don't care, stick around. We're going to get into all the good and juicy spoilers here with this movie. All right? Three, two, one. Peter, holy crap, they were in it. <laughs> I was 99.99% sure it was going to happen. But for some reason, when I walked, again, like I said in the, the prediction pod, I was preparing myself for the inevitability that they weren't in it. And for some reason, even up until that moment, there was nothing in the film that suggested to me they weren't going to be in it. But when uh, 
when Ned got the Doctor Strange ring and started doing that, I was like, oh my, it's actually going to happen. And it was the most rewarding thing I've ever seen in film. Like the, the portal scene is great. I kind of like that more than the portal scene from Endgame. Oh man, listen, the theater experience, both crowds, when they knew what was going on, I think everybody's like, oh wait, is this happening? I, I was really what? happy with my show because uh, thankfully I've seen this because YouTube is just starting to recommend, you know, you know, people's recordings of the theater, uh, which is illegal, which is illegal. Just uh, <laughs> legally, I have to say that. <laughs> yes. Although I watched everyone because I, I was curious, like, how people reacted. And it kind of went how I somewhat expected Andrew Garfield. Like, people were excited to see him. But, you know, yes, his films were kind of not the greatest, which I, I really feel sorry for him because he seems like a very good guy. And I rewatched some uh, interview stuff of him promoting the two films he was in. And you can tell that the band had passion for the character and he really did not deserve just Sony's ineptitude at the time. And like all the, no. like, again, I, I'm pretty sure if you go back on some of the entertainment pods, I have to talk trash on him. If I, if that's the case, I no longer stand by that. That Peter's dead and stupid. And you know, I am the current <laughs> suffering of that Peter's mistake. So I'll give yeah. him that. And like he, he's gone on since then to do some excellent work. Hacksaw Ridge, we mentioned a couple times here on this pod. Yeah, Academy Award nomination for that one. Yeah, and then now recently here, Tick Tick Boom, mm-hmm. which he was really good in it. He was really good in Tick Tick Boom. And uh all we can say about Andrew now, buddy, hey, listen, you don't have to lie anymore. <laughs> you you can rest now. <laughs> he really can rest. I will say, uh my theory, I think, gave a very good equal reaction to uh, them returning when he took that mask off. Like, even though, I will tell you this, his introduction was perfect because that costume has such, you know, like big cartoony eyes. And he mm-hmm. had a very like youthful, like a uh, movement style as Spider-Man. So like as he's like waving to MJ and Ned in the portal, it looked like a, it, it literally looked like a, a teenager, like a, a cartoon character reacting and when he stepped in ned's mom the real mvp of this movie just freaking out takes the mask off oh it was great and then of course toby he definitely toby got a lot of reaction i would say as expected mostly from me yeah. <laughs> shout out to the people next to me uh they the only my theater was uh, sold out except for these two seats but i'm pretty sure the group next to me paid for the ones on like both their sides to like keep uh empty yeah <laughs> which hey that, that's a good 22 dollars to spend right there but uh yeah <laughs> it didn't stop them from having to sit next to me who was like oh it's happening <laughs> yeah it was like even those that i think figured like okay they're they're probably gonna be in this i don't think it hindered or what from the excitement of actually seeing them on screen like this is happening this is not a joke. This is we're not on punked. This is one hundred percent happening. You know what? I I finally get why Kevin Feige was going down that sinking ship of not showing it in the trailer because when you see it in film, you you realize it's actually it's actually real. <laughs> and as usual, Kevin is right. Yep. <laughs> and Sony was wrong. What? In other in other news, a bear crap in the woods today. <laughs> <laughs> So, 
Peter, I think we can talk a little bit about more about, you know, their involvement because I think that's a big thing. We want to get that off the chest right away. Like, hey, they're in this thing. But as far as a movie in general, and, and starting from the beginning, you you know, Peter, I think I was kind of in agreement with you on how this film was beginning and talking about the prediction pod. And I think it was, you got it pretty close to a T. Yeah, with, uh, I, I, with how they started out. I feel like they're, you know, the exact 100% straightforward details weren't 100%, but like the the general idea of, you know, it starts with the post far from home uh credit scene. Uh we immediately go to uh Matt Murdock in the courtroom or the 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 police station. Oh, he man. goes back to school. The uh, bridge scene happens, and then Doctor Strange is like, or sorry, uh, Doctor Strange, of course, was first, then the bridge scene. So, but then after that, uh, yeah, it took a completely different direction than what I was expecting, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, the beginning, it is a lot of fun to see what's happening. We've, of course, seen a clip, mm -hmm. you know, a clip was shown of how it began. Peter, I just love that guy that's just that's just yeeted and tries to jump onto Peter as he swings away. <laughs> oh, that, 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 that was the greatest example of a New Yorker shown in film. <laughs> <laughs> it still gets me. It's like, this guy's trying to jump on. It's like, yeet. Nope. Uh, but like the beginning, it's just, it, it is a lot of fun. It's hilarious, but you still feel how tense it is. You know, Peter's all, all scared and worried and all this stuff. Everybody's kind of worried. You get a shot of Flash where he's kind of like, wait, no way. <laughs> for for the little Flash we had in this movie, and it's all in the beginning. He was he was great as always. I I I am somewhat bummed we didn't get more Betty Brant or uh, Jason Anello in this. I don't think we had Jason Anello at any at any point. I don't I don't know if he did. Yeah, it, it yeah. would. Just, it was just the the Betty Brant like, hey, we're covering Peter's uh, high school journey. Go get him, Tiger. It's like, ah, oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. And we get uh, we get another DC reference all of a sudden from Marvel, where Flash calls his book Flashpoint. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Kevin secretly bought DC, and he's and he's just trying to like tell us in this cryptic fashion. <laughs> yeah. Five, you saw the five, you saw the Snyder cut. It was like, okay, I'm gonna restore the Snyderverse myself. Yeah. Uh, so, like, a couple points here in the beginning. Of course, like, um, all the stuff with Peter and them getting investigated. That whole scene with Ned where he just basically explains, like, he's been helping Peter this whole time. <laughs> he realizes he's just, what he's just walked into is, like, I would like to have my words stricken from the record and let that be that. I had no involvement whatsoever. And, yeah, the Matt Murdock scene was great because of course we had the kingpin reveal in hawkeye this week and oh man it, it, it's happening peter it's happening they're coming i gotta i gotta get a netflix account again and i gotta watch uh, daredevil as fast as i can because it it went from being you know it's mcu but it's kind of optional to like nope it, it's it's real now it's like all right i'll go watch daredevil yeah, but it was it, it, was a, it, it was a great quick introduction. He did all the uh, he did what he had to do. He showed that oh yeah, I got some senses as well. And I think too, uh, I think this is our setup for uh, Armor Wars in a way, where he said he tells uh, Happy Hogan, "You better get some good lawyers, pal." Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's a good point. 
because remember in uh, Iron Man 2, the whole the whole thing was uh, the government wanted that technology to, you know, be distributed. And Tony's like, nope. So, yeah, now after uh, this incident with uh, Edith and the uh, drones, yeah, m- maybe this is somehow going to play into uh, Armor Wars. But again, that's probably late next year or 2023. I don't know anymore. Yeah. <laughs> They're so cryptic with dates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't even I they still haven't released what the next date for the next series is going to be, so we're we're all in the dark here. But I mean, Daredevil is great. I think you and you will enjoy it. I'm curious how they're going to handle this going forward. W- will it be a soft reboot? Will there be some kind of teases and hints towards what happened in the series? Who knows? But all in all, really excited by that. And then a couple other stuff to talk about. Um, Peter, we got all the teachers back in one scene that we've seen over the course <laughs> of these movies. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Hannibal Burr's just Hannibal Burr's the uh, gym teachers the whole time to cure a murderer. <laughs> and Jamie Smoove and, uh, what, what's his name? Uh, Barn Star? Yeah. Just, there's like fanboy, fanboying to uh, Peter Parker. It's like, yeah, the student, the students made this shrine. He's like, you guys did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah feel free to swing you know, crawl you know. <laughs> i love jb smooth's uh jb smooth's character calling uh the gym teacher a conspiracy theorist when the last film he was into witches and witchcraft i just <laughs> i love that whole disconnect i i love it it's it's so good yeah and i mean right away you can feel peter he's having a real tough time with all this stuff going on like, it is not affecting just him. It's affecting everyone around him. MJ, Ned, Aunt May, Happy, everybody he's involved with, everybody that he cares about, it's affecting him. And, of course, the place he goes up top of is the high school building. MJ, him, and Ned, they talk about trying to get to MIT. And you have that whole little montage of them with the college acceptance letters. And they obviously don't get into MIT. And they're like, you know what? Don't worry about it. First, but of all, pe- first of all, I want to say that scene uh, just broke me because uh, that was my high school experience before having to go to a community <laughs> college. It's like, LOL, you're, you got a 20 on the ACT three times. You're a dumb <laughs> Go to community college. Like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, the one thing that's a very Peter Parker in that sequence is that he really starts to feel that MJ and Ned they are really being affected unfairly by this because of their involvement with him, with Spider-Man. And he, he, he of course, he sees those decorations up there. And is like, oh, yeah, it looks like Doctor Strange. Let's go. Let's go get some help. And uh, boy, Peter, we learned a lot in that whole sequence there at the Sanctum Sanctorum. Like, hey, our boy, Doctor Strange, even ain't even the Sorcerer Supreme. <laughs> On a technicality, Party Boy Wong, everyone's favorite new MC, basically, basically the king of the MCU at this point. Yeah, he's a Sorcerer Supreme now. <laughs> and he looks so annoyed by it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, w- I think with them mentioning that, I think that makes a whole lot of sense about why at the end of Shang-Chi that he went and got him and Katie there at the end. That makes a lot of sense now, thinking about it. But he goes there, and him and Peter have this talk, and 
one of the things of dialogue that we got in the trailers that we didn't get here was Wong saying, don't do that spell. It's too dangerous. So that yeah, was an actual here. movie. It's basically like, just don't get me involved. So very interesting play there. Yeah. Got the edit stuff out of the movie and now they're editing lines. We can't trust anything. <laughs> and so we finally get that scene that we've seen before in the trailers where they're going down and they're getting, they're going to go and try to get the spell to make sure everybody forgets Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Of course, if you've seen the trailer, it all goes awry pretty quickly because Peter can't shut the crap up. And he keeps like, he keeps he like, oh. five, he affects it. What? Five to six times. Strange said. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you saw what if, which is a uh, very important thing we'll talk about for the uh, post credits, we see the uh, whole idea of like, uh, basically trapping a bad universe in a uh like little containment thing yeah yeah that that's true if you have part part of this movie in the post credits very key with what if holy crap we, we, we should say uh if it's on disney plus and it's mc related you have to watch it now there, there's no way around it no matter what it is it, it's required reading <laughs> yep it's required re- yep it's required yep but uh, Strange, <laughs> one of my favorite things, you know, Strange actually has a point here with them talking about, you know, Strange thinks that Peter tried everything he can to try to get into MIT to make them listen. I mean, he finds out Peter's like, oh, wait, you can, I can go and try and convince them. <laughs> this is, this is one where they got the high school Peter Parker super right. And just you have basically strange kind of take on the surrogate fodder role, like the, the surrogate stepfather. Yeah. <laughs> and where Tony Stark was the fun father, Doctor Strange is the, you know, actual serious, like, get your grades up boy father. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that that part was great. And so Peter, he and Flash make a deal where... <laughs> Flash will tell him where where I forget what the exact term is, but to find somebody to help him get into MIT to make him reconsider. I think it was just some an MIT administrator. I don't think it was anything crazy like that. Yeah. So uh, so they they get come to a deal together where he he'll say, you know, Flash is his best friend, <laughs> and uh, that's when we get to the bridge scene, which we've seen a whole lot of everybody. Boy, the only thing they haven't given away is. I mean, they've basically given away the whole bridge stuff. Yeah. With what happens on there. And let me tell you, the thing that they start out with, and it, they use it a couple more times here, is the spider sense. We got a little bit of tease of that with, you know, in Infinity War with the hairs popping up. And then at Far From Home, he's having a little bit of a trouble, a little bit of trouble finding a way to use it. Until at the end there with that final confrontation with Mysterio. And I think it was very cool that the, the way he used it where he really did sense and like it was going off that something was awry here. Something was not right. Yeah, th- this is a Peter Parker who's not getting hit with uh, bananas by Ant-Man anymore. This, this is <laughs> this is pure spider sense. <laughs> yeah, th- it's pure spider sense. And of course, you see Doc Gock and he's the first one. To show up and we've seen a lot of the, uh, the dialogue with tv spots like hey do i know you as and we get 
couple rehashes of lines from Doc Ock. The power of the sun in the palm of my hand and all that good stuff. And just the fight there. I mean, it's really kind of cool to see Peter trying to figure out how to maneuver his way against Doc Ock because he's never fought anybody like this. No, yeah. And trying to find his way, like, okay, what do I need to do? He, This guy's got four mechanical arms. How do I do all this stuff? And, of course, we see that shot of him uh, running, which, of course, I mean, we make fun of uh, as a meme, <laughs> where he, he's actually trying to save this MIT uh, administrator, and he actually does. And of course, at the end, it leads to her trying to get MIT to reconsider for him, Ned, and MJ, and try and get them in. But we get to that point where Doc Ock gets a nanotech in his arms. And Peter, very smartly, it's kind of like a Bluetooth thing. That's that's what I was thinking. Basically, he just turned Doc Ock's mechanical arms into basically AirPods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I will say with Doc Ock, it was interesting. It, it immediately started, because I think our, our thought was like, okay, why are they in this? And we didn't get that specific answer just yet, but it was interesting to see why this version of Doc Ock is mad at Peter. And it was basically the moment they found, basically it's in the trailer too, where Dr. Strange like, yeah, everyone here, their fate is to die by the hands of Spider-Man. Which isn't necessarily 100% true in the Lizard and uh, Sandman's case. It was basically the people who knew Peter Parker was Spider-Man. That was kind of the effect of, you know, Peter continuously talking during Strange's spellcasting was, all the people who knew Peter Parker was Spider-Man came into the universe. And of course that's most likely going to be the villains, which is bad news for him. Yeah. So it's uh, very kind of a simple way to bring him in. But for this Doc Ock, the people who died, it was the moment they died. The moment they died is when they came back. So this Doc Ock, of course, being from Spider-Man too, he's looking for his machine and we kind of learn, okay, Otto really didn't defeat the 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 uh, inhibitor chip in the Spider-Man Two. He just basically was able to overpower it for a little bit, and now yeah. in this film, he's back to evil Doc Ock. The voice has gotten to him again, as we see with the uh, the red uh, the red lights on the the mechanical arms. So that's why he's yeah. attacking him, and of course, <laughs> Peter basically takes control of it. But Doc Ock is still evil Doc Ock and not understand like, wait a minute, you're not Peter Parker. Yeah. (laughs) And then there, when, you know, it seems like Spidey, he's got his hand on Doc Ock. We get that scene with the pumpkin bomb. Mm -hmm. Like, oh boy, here comes Gobby. And, uh, (laughs) I really love, like, we know the name of the villain. It's a green goblin, but how Peter calls him the green elf or something like that. But 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 like I predicted, Os- uh, got, uh, blah, Doc Ock and me was like, Osborne? And that's when yeah. Doctor Strange saves him. Yeah, and so they go to that little prison down there with all the containers for all the villains. We see Lizard down there. And we see, and I remember Matt and you and Rebecca were talking about like how Peter gets a black and gold suit. Whether that was, I know Matt was thinking maybe that's Doctor Strange in there. No, that was actually a that was actually Peter's far from home suit turned inside out because somebody decided to throw green paint on it. Yep. 
You know, I wonder, you know, thinking about it, I wonder if that's a scene that his Tom Holland's brother's in. In which he threw paint on him. I think I want to say that was it. So if that is, I'm glad they kept that in there. <laughs> Just so he can have some screen time. Listen, I think one but, of them had a scene as a drug dealer, but that got cut. I don't yeah. know if there, I don't know if the other brother had something to do, but either way, it, it's interesting to see what the inside of the uh the the spider-man suit from stark industries looks like it's it's basically just it's a mess (laughs) yeah it's a it's a mess and dr strange abuses him with some magic to go and find these villains and find a way to teleport them and bring them back to those little containers down there so they can have them all gathered up and so we get the sequence of peter going out and hunting these villains going and finding Green Goblin, Electro, Sandman, everybody else. And uh, I do like that we we got that scene that we got a shot of with the Green Goblin mask of that being broken apart. With uh, It really kind of starts the journey that Norman Osborn, Green Goblin, goes through in this movie. I was, I was initially kind of bummed that they broke the mask that quick because I, again, I know the purest Spider-Man fans never liked it because, you know, it wasn't faithful to like what green goblin actually is but i will say norman osborne without the master like any sort of green goblin disease was the best choice for this movie like we're getting we're getting ahead of ourselves here but like just know even though you see that believe me it actually it actually is better that the mask is not on this time around oh man it's so much better but yeah as but, he's he- as he's swinging through the uh the, the night sky basically uh and there's a field with power lines of course this is our setup for electro and of course yep. yet again he's like i've never fought this i don't know what to do but and probably the first thing that made me smile so big was when uh sandman came out and said me like hey peter i'm here to help you i was like ah oh, flint marco a good guy till the end and yeah even it, when he's not in even when tom's like yeah i'm not uh i'm not your spider-man he's like Oh, okay, but uh, well, you're Spider-Man, I guess. I'll help you out. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. It just made me so happy to know that continued. Yeah, and of course, I mean, he gets a little bit scared, gets a little bit worried and confused, and with uh, Spidey sending Electro away, and of course, he gets sent back too. I will say, Electro, when we first see him, he's a, he's blue here, but uh, I guess being in this new universe with all this power, it really changes him. And we get just Jamie Foxx and not looking like, as the lizard said, but uh, Jamie Foxx. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I, that's one of the things I love in this movie is all the banter between the villains and how freaking lizard, of course, knowing coming from the same universe was, was like last time you had like, you know, a freaking comb over and look like a freaking dork. Last time I saw you. <laughs> that's right. Cause yeah, they did. They did work at Oscorp. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's like last time I saw you, you looked like trash. <laughs> I did love as he's naked. He's like, y'all gonna y'all gonna keep talking to me like I'm not naked. And Tom's just like, uh, and Sandwich like, I wasn't paying attention to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I but seeing Electro here, Electro was for the most part he he was really cool in this universe. It's just like let Jimmy Fox you know, be Jamie Foxx as Electro. Oh, yeah. But about to say, Jamie Foxx is an Oscar award-winning actor. He knows what he's doing. And 
especially here, they let him have the right emotion. They let him pretty much play it as I really think he should have played it in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Like, if you had this version of Electro in Amazing Spider-Man 2, it's still going to be a mess. But at least it makes a little more sense. Yes. You basically have the guy at the very bottom suddenly getting power, you know, in a very literal sense. Or I guess physical, literal. I don't I don't know. I'm I was never good at science. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically enough, coming back to my ACT joke, for some reason that was always my highest mark on the ACT test. I don't know why. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> So me, we see me, on the... me, me bad at English. That's impossible. <laughs> so we get to the point where pretty much all the villains are there except Green Goblin, Norman Osborn. And another thing that's great here is he's got MJ and Ned helping out with all this stuff. And they start having all this multiversal talk a little bit later. But we, uh, we get the call from Aunt May, you know, about Green Goblin. Norman Osborn's there. He's kind of playing up the old act right there. And like, oh, we've seen that before. Mm -hmm. But Aunt May is like, you know what? Maybe you can help these guys. Maybe you can try to find a way to to help them. And well, uh, we kind of learned later tip. on that. No, in that case, yeah, that was truly, you know, uh, Norm Norman Osborn just, you know, realizing what's going on. And like, basically saying like, hey, there's there's a timer on me. We got to get going. <laughs> Yeah, and so Norman goes back to the place where they're all being held, and you know he kind of had a cool moment there where he Michelle's like her name's MJ, and uh, like and Norman's like Mary Jane, He's like nope. Uh, and then Ned is wondering like how how many Ned leads are there throughout the multiverse. All that stuff is great with all the talk about the uh, the multiverse, and. We see, and Doctor Strange puts Green Goblin in his prison. He's got his little MacGuffin, that little MacGuffin, that box ready to go and get the spell ready to go and take him back. But of course, that would bring him back to the moment to where they die and where and where like Jamie Fox, for instance, where his character is just not cool. And so, like, they don't want to go back. And Peter's kind of realizing, hey, maybe I can help him. So he heeds the words of Aunt May. And that's where we get the whole Doctor Strange versus Spidey. I, I do want to say before we get to that sequence, I love how they're realizing that their character, the, the characters who died, when Jamie Foxx is like, last time, you know, before I got here, I was, you know, feeling all this power. And there's like, oh, I died. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's one of the, again, that's one of the things I like is all this talk and all this banter between the villains. It's not something you've really seen in like even a Marvel film, you don't see a whole lot of it. Much less much less a Spider Man film. It, it was here, super fun with uh Norman and uh Doc Ock talking to each other, like how they're both scientists but they have very different views of it and like how they view each other like Yeah. Like Norman telling the like uh, Doc Ock telling Norman how he's going to die. It's like, you you, you idiot, you, you got too ahead of yourself, yada, yada. He's like, what, 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 what are you talking about? And then Sandman's like, oh, you should be wanting to talk, you idiot. You almost nuked the city. <laughs> like, really, just all around. Like, Lizard kind of is the weakest link here in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think part of that is because him and Sandman, the uh, the two actors that played him, uh, Thomas... Uh, Hayden Church um, and yeah. Lisa Fons. Yeah. You know. 
apparently this was all uh, archive footage and they just came in for ADR. Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, the, the bigger the bigger names are going to be William Defoe, Alfred Molina, and Jamie Foxx. Although yeah. I would say uh, if Paul Giamatti's Rhino was here, I really wish they would have had him and uh, Sam and do something because those two started a great film uh, called Sideways where they both got like highly nominated. I don't know what they would have done with that, but I would have loved like just like an inside joke that only people like me would know. <laughs> <laughs> but well, we did get a reference I- to Rhino, so I'm fine with that. Yeah, the reference to Rhino was right there towards the end. Holy crap. Uh, you know, Lizard gets knocked on him a little bit with Electro saying, you know, last time I saw him, he tried to hold, turn the whole city into freaking lizards. And, uh, and I do and like how they decide to, like, you know, kind of make fun of Amazing Spider-Man 1 in, in a bit where it's like, oh, what's your solution, Doctor? It's like, lizards. <laughs> because <laughs> here's the thing even if you like Amazing Spider-Man 1 that's fine whatever more power to you you gotta admit that was kind of a very weak and stupid plot yeah the the one interaction I did like was between Electro and Sandman with like how they got their powers yeah. Electro like fell to a bad eels Sandman fell to a place where he gave me sand powers and Jamie Foxx is like God watch where you fall yep <laughs> that'll do it <laughs> that was great but, uh, of course, we get to that whole Doctor Strange and Peter sequence, which is just absolutely fun and insanity in the mirror dimension. We see the cape go on to Peter for a second, which that's a what-if callback, too. Yep. Which, uh, that's always great to see. And the whole astral form with Peter being able to, I guess, still move his body, even though his astral form isn't in his body. Uh, my guess is that's maybe Spider-Man's, the Spider-Sense I don't know. Yeah, that that's probably the best guess. At first, I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe because the... Again, this is way before we, we knew they were in the film at the moment, but I was thinking, okay, maybe T- Toby and Andrew are here, like somehow like that's connected to their minds. I thought that was a stretch, but I'm just thinking Spider-Sense spider, spider sense is probably the more likely explanation. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think it's the most likely explanation for all that. And then, of course... His astral form swims back to his body, and, and everything kicks off there. We get that whole sequence in the mirror dimension, which is just looks again absolutely crazy. That's with, right. uh, with as much as I didn't like Doctor Strange, I will say CGI it kind of ran its course, you know, decades ago of how impressive it is. But when you use it in a very imaginative way, like Doctor Strange and this did. It keeps you involved, and especially this time around with, you know, Peter's reaction. Again, you know, this this kind of smart aleck, awkward high school kid and, you know, magic girl with the, the wizard man. Yeah. Which, they actually do a really good job of figuring that out. Like, how's Peter going to get out of this one? And, like, he uses math to his advantage. He uses, uses geometry. geometry. Yep. Yeah, it, it brings Peter's intelligence out there and he gets to use that against Doctor Strange and uh he gets Doctor Strange you know stranded in the Grand Canyon for 12 hours somewhere and, uh, like now you know how it feels <laughs> <laughs> yeah L- Loki's very barely saying that in the afterlife somewhere it's like now you know how I feel doc and we see Spidey win and 
I think we can have a little bit of whole discussion point about, you know, whether this was smart of him to try to actually think that he could kind of fix these villains. Because, I mean, you're probably thinking like, oh, no, he's not going to be able to do it. There's just no way. You know, this is just a teenage kid thinking he can try to fix these villains. And like, it's not going to work. It's going to go awry and there's going to be severe consequences. Which, I mean, well, there is. But in the end, though, he's actually right. But I think we can talk about that, you know, over, over the course here in the next few scenes. Of course, they bring him to Happy's apartment, which was also shout out to Happy's bachelor pad. <laughs> shout out to bringing the uh, the robot arm back. We haven't <laughs> seen that in forever. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's been since what? Like Iron Man 3? God, I, I hope it's the one that had the dunce hat. That was always my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so they bring him back to Happy's apartment, and we get this fabricator there with, of course, the arc reactor. And Electro's like, "Oh crap, what's that? You know that that's a lot of energy right there." And Doc Ock is just like, "Yeah, no, this isn't gonna work. They're not gonna be able to do anything." But it's re- it was really cool to see Norman Osborn and Peter kind of work on Doc Ock and getting the chip and trying to figure out that solution about how to fix him. And then that whole sequence, and they, they get the chip that ends up working, and uh, Doc Ock is good again. Oh, I, I was I was happy to see it. Again, Alfred Molina's a, a damn good actor, and God, it, it, it felt like 2004 again. It, it's basically pre, you know, accident the laboratory uh showcase uh auto octavius yeah and so there's one down they get him fixed i like uh, the lizard is down in a in the feast truck because he doesn't want to come up and they immediately get to work on something for electro and all that good stuff and they're trying to figure out stuff for sandman and for goblin they work on a formula to try to get rid of the goblin persona and, of course, you get that scene there where, where Doc Ock is talking to Norman about, you know, becoming fully whole again. And, you know, I think that's probably the moment where, y- you know, the Goblin's taken over. I'm not going to lie. When he's doing that whole Spider-Sense thing, like something's wrong, I thought that was the... I actually thought that was going to be the introduction of uh, Andrew and Toby. I thought they would be hunting them down and that was going to cause, you know, the, the problem. and. That would set up the whole, like, oh, you're Spider-Man too, so are we. We're going to help you, yada, yada, yada. And no, he, Tom Holland's Spider-Man sends the uh, the switching personality to Green Goblin and just webbed Goblin's hand to the window. And I was like, that is, that's impressive. Yeah, and of course, it doesn't help the fact that J. Jonah Jameson is there with the, <laughs> with the Daily Bugle. Dude, this version of J. Jonah Jameson is ruthless. Like, he went from, you know, fun, kind of like, oh, you, Jonah. I was like, this guy's a D-bag. <laughs> and again, they base him off, you know, real-life bag Alex Jones. So, I mean, we can't be too surprised, but <laughs> you can tell he was having so much fun here. Oh, yeah. Did not miss a freaking beat. Oh. <laughs> but I think I was watching a video on this today in, you know, preparation for this. And they were kind of talking about the sequence from here with the spider sense of the goblins turn when the goblin is back right into 
probably when when you get to the official meeting of the three Spider-Man about how that sequence is kind of like a good lesson in the whole great power, great responsibility lesson that is present throughout Spider-Man films and the comics on that stuff. And it starts right there where the villains all turn. Electro gets that arc reactor. He blasts Doc Ock away. Doc Ock runs off. Sandman runs off. Electro goes off. And then it's just a full-out brawl between Goblin and Peter. Oh, he is messing him up. (laughs) It is brutal. It is absolutely brutal. And you know, Holland was saying before this, this film was going to be brutal. But the fight sequences. And Defoe, the only way he wanted to be in this is if he could do most of the stunts himself if he could. And my goodness, with all the stuff they did here, Peter, it was so brutal. I think some people brought up there's like a couple of wrestling moves that were involved here. Oh, um, he, he Batista bombed him through the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this and is then, 66-year-old William Defoe. This isn't 2002, you know, still somewhat, you know, young but older William Defoe. This is this is elder William Defoe, and he is just, yeah. he doesn't care. He not that it was 2021 he was like it's it's 2002 all over again baby and well let me tell you i i remember 2002 again as well yeah and i think there's also a couple moves in this one and later on in the final battle that they incorporated from the spider-man ps4 game which, oh yeah uh, the, the, we're like webs into him with his speed i i played yeah i love doing that in that game yeah which was great and uh I tell you what, the one scene that really showed how unhinged the goblin was this time was that scene where Peter is just punching him and punching him, and you see Defoe's goblin just smiling. That smile right there. Without the mask was the perfect call because, again, William oh. Defoe's voice was great in Spider Man 1, and it would have been great here as well. But actually, just seeing like how sick he is was perfection. And again, there's no, there's no goblin disease, so like. It, <laughs> This goblin is just, you know, it's it's Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. And when Mr. Yeah. Hyde comes out, it is a complete change in character. And he is just, you, you could tell, William Defoe wanted to do this again. Yeah, he really wanted to do this again. And we get that line earlier of like how he's been watching Peter um, behind Norman's eyes and all that. And he knows, like, Peter's not going to kill him. Because that goes against everything Peter stands for and what uh, what Spider-Man stands for as well. But just that smile. Peter, if anybody is doing that, if you are trying to pummel somebody and they just have a wide smile like that, run. Like, get out of Dodge. But again, that whole sequence is just so brutal. And then Lizard gets in a couple shots on him and he mentions to Peter... We told you there'd be consequences to this. And that whole sequence there of like they're still fighting and you get Aunt May, she's got the goblin CERN in hand, and Goblin's still going to freaking town on Peter, just absolutely brutalizing him. And then we get that whole sequence with uh with where May is ready to fight, but she gets hit with the glider. And then we get that sequence that we've seen in the spots with the whole pumpkin bomb. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, oh before boy. that, she, she put the, uh, first serum in him and he like, didn't work. Nope. <laughs> and yeah, she, she takes it, the glider just basically back first. 
And yeah, for some reason, the, the pumpkin bomb doesn't do really anything other than just, you know, kind of like knock him down. And then we see Megan up as like, May's a trooper. Because <laughs> you, you immediately yeah. remember what the glider did in Spider Man 1. It's like, she's just, she's getting right up. Good for her. <laughs> and then, uh, but she says the words that uh, pretty much, that if you say the Spider Man, immediately means you're going to die. She does the great power comes great responsibility line. And then she, it turns out, yeah. I, I I guess the uh, the blades were active on the glider. Just the the force of the glider. Again, it's a piece of metal, so if it hits you, it's probably gonna cut you somehow. Yeah, she's bleeding out, and uh, even though I uh, you don't have a PS4, right, Ryan? No, 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 no. Because uh, yeah, I, I do, and I played the Spider Man game when it came out, and uh, <laughs> I, I thought seeing the death of Aunt May in that game was brutal and would prepare me for the possibility of it happening here. It didn't. That was Peter turn up <laughs> moment number one, folks. Yeah, a lot of stuff to talk about. I think she knew she was dying. Oh, yeah. But, but she knew she had to impart this on him to let him know that what he was doing was still the right thing. Even though all this stuff happened, it's still the right thing. Trying to help people. You know, as what she says, it's what we do. And... She's just trying to muscle up the strength to impart that last bit of wisdom, the whole great power, great responsibility line to him before she dies. And like she knows those are her dying words. If she can impart anything before she she's gone, it's those words and to always keep fighting and, uh, you know, never make that heel turn that the goblin's trying to influence him to do, but to keep on keeping on and push through. And uh, I mean, I remember in the... And talking about it afterwards, you said you were saying, you know, Holland's performance there, it floored you. And like we haven't talked about Holland's performance enough in this, but he's he was awesome in this. Oh, and particularly the, this one. The two of them were perfect. Mar- Marissa Tomei, she's a uh, three-time uh, Academy Award nominated actress and one-time winner for a reason. She she looked <laughs> like she was dying. Like like what she doing for eyes there? I was like God. Damn, Marissa, good on you. Yeah, that whole sequence right there, and, and it continues on a little bit later with the aftermath of it. And, you know, I heard the shot was a little from somebody, it, it kind of felt like Zack Snydery, but Peter in the rain watching that that live footage of Jameson talking about what just happened. Oh, let me tell you that that was the good that was the good part of the Snyder cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean he is just he's a he's leveling into to Peter Parker and he's just like standing there just kind of shocked completely. Like there is no good emotion in him at that moment. It's all negative. Yeah, it is all negative. And then we really get into that we get in the sequence that we led up to with all this stuff. Where we get Toby and Andrew back at Ned's place. That is magic. We we have learned, and that whole sequence is great. I really like the kind of like standoff between Andrew and Peter. They're like, "Oh, is something going to happen here? Are they going to fight here?" I kind of didn't get why they had this standoff, but I think it maybe had something to do with uh, them sensing the difference in uh, how they how they get the web out because. Toby got him on the web shooter, so maybe he thought 
this was some weird version of Spider-Man. And, you know, thankfully they, uh, we'll get to that scene when we get to it, but how they talk about the whole web difference. But uh, yeah, that, that whole scene was, it's exactly what you wanted it to be. And my favorite thing is these two are still Peter Parker. Like, even though they're older, especially Toby, because we haven't seen him do this since 2007. So 14 years ago, Mm -hmm. Uh, give me a sec, Ryan. I gotta, I gotta have a mental crisis here. I'm feeling old. (laughs) Okay. I'm back. (laughs) Like, like there's still that, you know, nerdy, awkward, but nice Peter Parker. So when Ned's grand, when Ned's mom is like, can you can you guys clean the web like oh absolutely sorry about that i love that <laughs> and just toby's entrance like hey i i, I hope you don't mind but I, I saw a portal open i think that's for me it's like oh it, it's gone <laughs> like and that's just like it's just some random guy yeah <laughs> just not any random guy dad he is the guy he's the franchise <laughs> and yeah they, they didn't lose a step i mean the only complaint I can have, and this is just critic Peter coming out here. Don't worry. I'm going to put him away in a second. Toby is as wooden and kind of as awkward as ever. It works for this character. But at, at some points, it kind of felt like man's here for the check, which I respect. I respect. They, they, I, I want to see how much money he made for this role. <laughs> if it's not eight figures, I'm going to be shocked. Yeah. And really, their appearances here are, I mean... I don't know if this felt if it felt like this for you, Peter, but they were they felt like they were in this film for a long time. Oh yeah, I mean, pretty much the moment they're there, I they're not separated till you know uh, the end scene. Yeah, which was great. Yeah, but and in, I wonder, in a weird way, I I wanted more still. <laughs> <laughs> With what I got, I was like, oh no, 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 come come on! You, you, there's so much more memes you can do. There's so much more wisdom you could. There's so much more you can do, guys. Don't end it now. I want more. I want some more war stories. Come on. <laughs> but uh, you know, I want it feels it felt like that 30 to 35 minutes was uh which was reported. It kind of felt like that. Yeah. And I'm like you like, man, I wish we could have gotten more. But we transitioned over to like one of the other cool things is like, you know, places where Peter Parker's going kind of like go and sit and think and like toby says you know it's empire it was like the chrysler building and andrew's like you know it, it was empire state for me i was like that's a good view and uh it, just the whole banner there starts between them but we get p we get tom's peter at his high school and uh just tom's performance there again he's still so upset about like when mj and ned gets there that he's just like breaks down i'm holland invented acting in this movie <laughs> <laughs> and of course i think he senses that there is some help there but just that shot with the silhouette of both of them on the top there that's right out of a comic book everybody you know what it made me wish i wish there were more live action spider-man that existed prior to this because that would have been just the, the more the better but we got Toby and Andrew. They were doing what they should have done, so we, we can't complain there. Yeah. And I do like how when we get our first interactions with all three of them together, it's not like, hurrah, it's all not all quippy and funny and all oh, that Tom, stuff. Tom didn't give he, he was like, listen, I'm sorry I got you in this. I'm sending you home. It's it's worthless. I messed up, yada, yada. And then they they part the wisdom that only he would know about, you know, Uncle Ben dying, Gwen's death for him, and the whole 
great power comes great responsibility. And that's just, you know, clicks for Tom. It's like, these, these really are me from other universes. And this is our curse in a way. Yeah. I, I love that connection. And I also love Toby finishing up the line there too. Yeah. I think there was a lot of people hoping that he would, he would get to say it in some form. And uh, he did, but also we learned a little bit more about Andrew and uh, what's happened with him, with his Peter Parker afterwards. And like, we later learn like, yeah, we had what happened in Tasm two at the end there. He got back up and decided to go back out and try a Spider-Man, but he still never got over Gwen's death. And he start he stopped pulling his bunches. He became rageful. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was kind of nice to get that little bit of an insight as to what happened with this character post-Gwen's death. I mean, we got a little bit, but just even more throughout the years about, like, hey, it really affected him. It really put him on, on a path that you're kind of sad to see any Spider-Man go through. And, yeah. and it, it's it kind of the idea that they explored heavily in Amazing Spider-Man 1, but it sounds like seeing the Gwen, the death of Gwen Stacy actually means something now. And already online, people are, the, the seeds are being planted for, because again, the Snyder could happen. So what's the next obnoxious uh, Twitter Twitter uh, thing? Well, it looks like makes Sp- Amazing Spider-Man 3, which I'm not going to lie. After the ridiculousness of Amazing Spider-Man one and all those ideas, and now you know this idea of a actual genuine reason to have a miserable dark Spider-Man, yeah, I think that'd be a cool thing to do. Oh crap! Get him, get him to in a Spider-Man three with Tom Hardy's Venom. Yep. <laughs> Ooh, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, he, he did say he want. He did say at the end he wants to fight an alien. <laughs> well, here's your alien, Andrew. Here it is. <laughs> you get to fight the same black goo that Toby did. <laughs> but this one, uh, this one's more drunk. <laughs> <laughs> more of that in a later, everybody. Perfect. <laughs> but that pretty much ends that sequence I was kind of talking about where it's like Peter's great lesson of that whole great power, great responsibility, and that kind of coming full circle and learning really like, Oh crap, that that's what it's all about. And then you get that sequence in the lab where they're all there. And I really like how they, again, they don't go right into all three, the Spider-Men going out and fighting together. Like they are going into a lab and they're using their minds. They're using science. They're making a plan. To, yeah. Like they're doing all this stuff. And I, that's very much in the realm of Peter Parker in general of his character. And I love and, the, the individual characters that Andrew already knows how to do the lizard thing. I love how, how we, I love how Toby was like, you know, I always thought about what I could do to help Norman, like all those things that are going on. Like this is three Peter Parkers in one room. And of, and of course we have the fun scene with Ned. Uh, he's like, Hey Peter. And they all, they all answer. He's like, Oh, sorry, Parker. They keep answering. We get the pointing meme. Yeah. Twice. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I did but, love uh, how uh, Toby talked about the death of Harry. I was, I was, I was so waiting for Andrew to talk about his experience of Harry. Unfortunately, we didn't get that. But I thought that would have been just like a lovely thing, you know, especially for them to like understand each other. Like, hey, we might share a lot in common, but not all of it's a hundred percent equal. Yeah, and you know, I do like it with. These three Spider-Man, of course, Tom and a- with uh, Tom being the youngest, of course, Andrew, Toby, 
being the more older versions of this. But I do like how Toby kind of helps Andrews, Peter, as well, with all the relationship stuff, where you get more insight into what's happened after their movies, after their series with, you know, Andrews, Peter, saying, I haven't really had much time for Peter Parker stuff, relationship stuff, and all that stuff. And kind of, and, and, and Toby really kind of help, tries to help boost them up and saying, hey, listen, it can happen. It can work. And we kind of get some insight there. Like, eventually with him and MJ, it did work, kind of. Which is good. The happy ending. Yeah. I saw, yeah, there we comment, go. I saw a good comment online that described it as Toby is the older brother who's full of wisdom. Andrew's the middle yes. child who needs reassurance. And Tom's the uh, younger child with potential, but needs to be, you know, on the, get guided on the right track. Yes. I think literally the moment they meet each other, that's exactly what happens. But it's still, you know, in their in their individual Peter Parker ways. Like, yeah, Toby, you know, he was never the uh, fashion of charisma, but that's what made his Spider-Man so endearing. It, it felt like a nerd who got powers and is like, you know, trying to do it, but, you know, still Peter Parker at the end of the day. He's that curse. Yeah. And then, of course, we get the whole conversation we've been waiting on as the whole web stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ned gives him the uh, web cartridge like what's that it's like you don't have that he just shoots the web <laughs> and of course Tom's like oh, we gotta move on Andrew's like how did you do that <laughs> yeah and there we go uh, we go to that final battle with the Statue of Liberty with the Captain America shield which <laughs> uh, again I mean we've seen it before but crap it looks good it's exactly what would happen if this happened yeah. in real life the, the Rogers musical, I thought that was I thought that was just too much. Oh, the, the Captain America shield on the Empire on the uh, Statue of Liberty. That's that's just gold. Uh, I also love how uh, J. Jonah Jameson right there is like, oh my goodness, guys, Spider Man's going to destroy another national monument. <laughs> He's not giving Peter Parker an inch. That that's how J. J. Jonah Jameson should be. God bless J.K. Simmons for coming back. He's doing it again. Our, our, the, the greatest Nexus bean of them all. <laughs> the superior one. But of course, as they're, as they're setting up for the final battle, we, we, we get the talking stuff, which we, we wanted. And, you know, they talk about everything, you know, how the web blood works. And T Toby was seconds away from bringing out Bully McGuire. He was like, are you making fun of me? <laughs> <laughs> Bully McGuire making a comeback. Yeah. It wasn't the black suit or the, or the symbiote the whole time. He was just being a D-bag. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he, he's like, listen, I'd love to explain it, but it, it's like breathing. It just happens. <laughs> and of course, Tom's like, does it come out anywhere else? <laughs> which let me tell you, there was probably another line there, but it would probably have gone into an R rating, which, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the Peter that's but, the Peter Lewis version that Kevin Feige threw out. <laughs> <laughs> oh. and, and the joke I have to say for the end of the pod because we can't record it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when, oh yeah, they, they talk about the villains they fought, and you know, Toby's like, you know, fought the, the alien with black goo. Peter's like, oh, I found an alien in Earth and space, and he was purple. <laughs> and Andrew's like, the craziest, I feel lame. I, I only fought a, a Russian guy in a rhinoceros suit. And, Good old Toby with the reference. It's like, no, man, you're amazing. You're amazing. You say, I was like, I was just sitting there like, you say you're amazing, Andrew. You say you're amazing. 
Thank you. I needed that. <laughs> but again, in Andrew Garfield's uh, Peter Parker, he's like, you know, he, he's uncomfortable with it. I, I love it. I love how for, for these two guys, you know, four, 14 or seven years apart, they remembered how Spider-Man works. Yeah, I also just love Toby responding like, I'm still shocked you fought an alien in space. <laughs> and of course, we had we had the, the back uh, meme coming back where <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Andrew Garfield cracks Toby's back. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Uh, you know, you know, Peter, I think my sister told me I didn't hear it. But when they talked about uh, when Toby referenced like he fought alien with black goo. Uh, I think somebody said, like, a couple rows behind us, they said, you're trash, Brock. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, uh, and I think she also heard somebody say, I'm going to put some dirt in your eye. <laughs> oh, it, I wish there was some way they could have gotten Bully McGuire in this, but you know what? I'll, I'll take the fan service memes, but fan service that was done smart. Well, yes, yeah, it was it, done smart. If you get three Peter Parkers in one area, this is what they're going to talk about. Yeah, this and is again, what they're going to talk about. Alfred Molina's later on when he and uh, Toby reunite, he says, "Man, you're you're older." It's like, yeah, this this is a Peter Parker who's, you know, Toby McGuire. I think now is forty six years old. Yeah, <laughs> still looks good, but yeah, let me tell you, if my millennial back is any consolation, yeah, his must be destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Of I, do, course. I, I just love for Toby that the only the reason that the back thing was in Spider-Man 2 was because his his back in real life actually had some problems. And Sam Raimi <laughs> put that in here just to kind of troll him. And 17 years later, it's still it's still coming back to haunt him. <laughs> Somewhere Sam Raimi was laughing, and I, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So of course we get our final battle at the Statue of Liberty. And uh this is another thing I like with them. It's like they don't work together all that well at the beginning. It's like oh. it's a struggle. Which leads to a uh the second pointing meme. Yeah. <laughs> and then of course, you know, they, they start to figure out Tom's like, I don't mean to brag or anything, but I will. I was in the Avengers, and of course, in the uh Toby and Andrews universe, that wasn't a thing. So like, what's that? Is it is it band? Are you in a band? Yeah, it's like Tom's like, oh, that's great. Like, where are they? Is that a band? Toby's like, where is this going? <laughs> He's like, listen, we, we, we got we got coordinate, yada yada. I'm Spider Man one. You're Spider Man two. You're, you're sorry. I'm Peter one. You're Peter two. Peter three. Uh, Tom, Toby, and Andrew in that order. And then we get uh, basically the money scene where they're all swinging around, hoop, hooping and hollering, and then they land on the uh, the, sta- the top of the Statue of Liberty's head. And that's we get the trailer scene. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Lizard was not getting hit by Drax the Destroyer. He was getting hit by Spider-Man. Oh, man. I thought we were going to get a Drax appearance here. What, what a crossover uh, that would be. Oh, man. You know what, Peter? You know what I'm surprised about? I'm surprised I didn't lead off the top of this. I'm surprised Batman didn't make an appearance. I thought we were going to see him. <laughs> <laughs> That's the actual Flashpoint movie, not the Flash book. <laughs> <laughs> I was so ready to be excited about Batman showing up in here, but nope. But uh, and that 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 gives me an idea. Imagine if they do Final Crisis or uh, sorry, Crisis on Infinite Earths, and somehow they get Robert Pattinson, Ben Affleck, 
Christian Bale, George Clooney, and Michael Keaton's Batman's on one screen. <laughs> Imagine the universe seeing that. That's too much. Yes, That's I know Val Kilmer. I, mean, I know Val Kilmer played Batman as well, but his health has kind of been a bad state, so it probably won't happen. Yeah. But I, either way. I mean, listen, after this, it's hard to I mean, anything can be possible. Anything can, but you, know. you just know Warner Bros. seeing that was like, damn it. We, we we hate we hate to we hate to interrupt you guys again, but that'd be so choice. Yeah. We get again, we get that money shot, we get all them working working together to get these cures for these separate villains. And you know, we see them kind of interact with some of these other villains. And I think Sandman is up first. It's the first one they cured. Of course, it looks like Sandman's going to be trapping Toby in the Statue of Liberty's head. It looks like he's going to be drowning him with sand, which, oh, fun, what a way to die. <laughs> they, Peter 1 and Peter 2, uh, Peter 3, they work together. They get the cure over to, to Toby. Cure Sandman. And Toby's like, we're going to get you home, Flint. And the music played, and I, I died. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time you died yeah. uh, <laughs> or second or whatever whichever time I've lost how many multiple times, times. I've, I lost how many times I've died on this podcast in a, in a canonical sense <laughs> I know I got dusted that's much. about it <laughs> yeah and we see we also we also see that you know Ned he sh- they got the him and NJ they got the magic box they got the portal open. Ned can't close the portal. So, uh-oh, that's a problem. And we get and, a call back to the uh, the lizard scene from uh, Sp- Amazing Spider-Man 1 where they're just trashing the science room. Yeah, <laughs> except except the only thing I, I really wish we had in here, no Stan Lee. Oh, could you imagine his cameo in this? Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, it would have been amazing. Oh, he, he's in the great comic book land in the sky just like, damn right. <laughs> but of course lizard is the next one to get cured and we get dr strange coming back i mean obviously it's well earned he's ticked off at, at peter yeah, but, but but he he sees like hey this cure is working even even he's impressed like this kid's doing it and then of course we get to uh electra which had the f- the funniest interaction of them all with uh andrew garfield's like you know man when I heard you were a kid from Queens, I thought you were black. And Andrew's like, oh, I'm sure there's a black Spider-Man somewhere in the universe. <laughs> wink, wink. If, if we don't get a Miles, a live-action Miles Morales in the next five years, what are we doing? Peter, I, I'll be honest. I think so. We got our we got our Into the Spider-Verse announcement of Part 1 and, and Part 2 later coming on. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably sometime after that is like, we're really going to start to sow the seeds for live-action Miles Morales. Yeah. And I want Jamie Foxx to see it. <laughs> he he wants to see it. He's he's long thought Andrew's Spider Man was black. He he wants to see it. He needs to see it. I just love Andrew's reaction. It's like, oh, I, I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I, I know it's I know it's there. It's, you know, multiverse. It, it's got to be there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, of course we get that scene where uh, you know Doc Ock helps out, and uh, you think like, oh crap. He, He's got Toby and Andrew with the tentacles. Like, uh, nope, he he went for Electro, and he's giving Electro his cure. Yep. And then and, we have uh, the, 
the power of the sun and we have the reunion between Toby and Doc Ock and it was oh it was it was so wholesome. Oh man I was Peter, my boy like a stupid idiot. <laughs> You've grown up. How are you? Trying to do better. Oh my heart and like the and the one with Electro and Andrew, he, he, you know, we talked about a little bit there, but like, you know, Andrew's like, no, nah, Max, you were never a loser. You were never that. Oh, even earlier when Andrew's describing uh, Electro, he's like, he, Max was the sweetest guy, sweetest guy ever. But, you know, all, all those, you know, things just uh, compiled to him. I, I love it. I love how there were villains with, you know, because we knew Doc Ock got his redemption at the end of Spider-Man 2, but Electra really didn't, but again, it was a character who deserved one. So I, I really like that we got this time around. Yeah. And uh, of course, we get Strange. He's getting ready to go and, and get the spell ready. But uh, you know, here comes Goblin. Can the Spider-Man come out to play? Mm-hmm. And uh, we get that whole sequence there of Doc Ock try, uh, trying to fight Green Goblin and the glider takes off one of his arms. And we see a pumpkin bomb in that box. And it, it explodes everything. Everybody goes everywhere. The shield comes falling down. And that's where you get that sequence of MJ falling. And you see Tom. He's reaching for But I think as we kind of expected, something stopped him. The glider gets him. Andrew sees what's going on. Oh. And, and uh, Peter, I know we talked about it. I know we probably predicted it was going to happen. But just seeing it actually happen. Oh. It was perfect. Oh, man. I, I think that was the second loudest cheer next to Toby's return, and it was well-earned. And even I started tearing up because it was, it was store, from a story standpoint, it was perfect. And especially Andrew's reaction of, like, he's like, M, he asks MJ, are you okay? And, like, he starts, again, the, the poetry of, you know, he wished he could have done that with Gwen, but he couldn't. And she, she realizes that, like, oh, it was perfect. It, it was perfect. We Andrew knew it was coming, but seeing it, actually happened was just great yeah andrew was so good in this and he absolutely was but uh i i think objectively between him toby and tom i think he's probably the better actor yeah and you know again he got screwed over so hardcore after amazing spider-man 2 so for him just to come back after all that and still give it his all what a guy and he still loves the character he deserves so much better yeah uh, again, Sony, that's our plea to make Tasm 3 happen with Venom. Uh, there you go. We're having a multiverse of madness, for God's sakes. Uh, why not? <laughs> but we get this final confrontation between Tom and with Goblin. And boy, man, these fights between them both are brutal. Peter, I saw somebody point this out. Who knew that Goblin would be such a good villain for Toby's Peter and Tom's Peter? And the same actor, too. Yeah. You know, again, I was watching, it was in the same video I was watching earlier. Um, Somebody mentioned, like, you know, the 2002 performance was kind of like, you know, being a little bit more campy, like it's Jack Nicholson. But then with this one, it's kind of like it's Heath Ledger. Oh yeah, I, I I give it that. It it's not Oscar it's not Oscar performance yeah. worthy, but in terms of like a new idea of what Goblin is, oh that was perfect. Yeah, and just like the brutalness with how Peter is going at him, he is just 
Like he he wants to get revenge and he wants to he wants to kill the goblin. Oh yeah, he he flies like I'm gonna murder your. Ass. And he just straight up beats him and he almost beats him within an inch of his life. And he goes and picks up the glider, which I kind of like that. Uh, you know, looking back to Spider-Man One with the whole glider and it killing that goblin and that one. Um, and then you get to see Toby stand in the way and kind of teach Tom one last lesson. And, you know, like, no, it's not worth it. And then, of course, we get the biggest scare of probably the whole movie is Toby getting stabbed. That was, uh, I, I felt so many emotions in, like, a three-second span where, first, I was like, you will not take him from me, Kevin. You're not doing this to me. But then I fought back to the prediction pod of, you know, if anyone's going to have that Logan or Iron Man moment... It's got to be Toby, and it's the perfect way to do it because he's like, again, he's like, when he talked about uh, when he tracked down the first guy, he thought killed his uh, uncle, or technically what's involved in the killing of his uncle, that didn't bring him any solace. And he's like, listen, don't do it. And he's willing to die for it. And I love that. And I was like, you know what, Toby, if this is how you go, I appreciate it. I started tearing up again, like a little nerd loser. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was watching my childhood hero die, but it was but it was the way it should happen if it had to happen. Yeah. And then we see Andrew throw Tom the cure. Tom gives the goblin the cure. And here we got Norman back. And uh I I, I do like how T- Toby was saying, like they were like, oh, are you okay? He's like, Yeah, I've been stabbed before. It's fine. <laughs> And then we get this whole, like, last sequence that is just filled with so much sadness, which is like, you know, with that, that spell kind of broke open the multiverse, and you're seeing in that space-time rift, Peter, there are so many Easter eggs with oh, the Spider-Man yeah. villains in there. Like, I, holy crap. I think the only one I I could make out, I think there was like a Scorpion silhouette at one point, but like, I know once it comes on YouTube, or like, people get a clearer picture of it. It's going to be dissected to death again. I don't think it, it, it could mean something. It could mean we get, you know, some versions popping up. I think it was just, you know, more for the fans. Like, Hey, there's a, we understand like the films only cover like a micro, a microscopic organism of like what the comics have done. So we yeah. get it. There, there's a lot of Spider-Man stuff out there. Yeah. I think on, with my first viewing, I noticed Rhino. And then the second viewing, I noticed Craven. Okay. So, and obviously we know the Craven the Hunter film is happening. So that's that's definitely something to keep in mind. And so at the end there, where they're going to have to do the spell, Tom's like, you know what? Let's revise the spell. If this will help, you know, with people knowing Peter Parker, Spider-Man, how about we just make everybody forget who Peter Parker is. And like strange is kind of like, you sure you want to go through with this? I think that's also the moment when the great power, great responsibility line kind of hits him because at the end there, he is choosing everybody in existence, forgetting who Peter Parker is in order to save a reality altering problem that's happening. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, I've seen people mention like Cumberbatch's stoic sadness with like Peter's decision. Like, even though he knows it's probably the right thing to do, 
Like, you just can't help but feel for this kid that's doing this. And, like, he's making everybody forget that uh, Peter Parker is an actual person out there. That's it. This is... I think this is the the Peter Parker that's gone for the most trauma out of any of the live action ones, because you know he he's thrown immediately into a civil war, an MCU civil war. He has to he's he disappoints his dad and Iron his father figure in Iron Man. His 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 father figure dies in front of him after saving the world. He's given the the keys to the castle, and he messes that up, and now this happens like. Toby, Toby just couldn't pay his rent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Peter, that reminds me. I was hoping the rent guy would show up there at the end. <laughs> we, we got a rent line, but not the rent line we wanted. But hopefully it'll happen. Man, a change on. in ownership will happen between this and the next film. <laughs> <laughs> the other Nexus Bean. Yeah. Where's my money? <laughs> But uh, I think I read somewhere like this is kind of like the this kind of like the inverse of like what Tony kind of did at with at the end of Endgame. So Tom Holland's Peter Parker, he literally sacrifice. He's literally saying, "I'm willing to sacrifice my entire existence to ensure multiverse won't shatter, the villains and other Spider-Man can go home," and in a way, like, he kind of died. Peter Parker kind of died a uh, sort of hero. And always never going to know that he existed. And, uh, you know, versus, you know, Tony, who died a hero, who left a, a big, an entire legacy behind. Um, but, like, this felt like something Spider-Man would do. It definitely felt like that, because Spider-Man is as selfless as a hero as there is. It definitely felt like there's something he would do. And for live action, this was the best Spider-Man moment we've gotten by far. Especially when he's uh, saying his goodbyes, to, his thank yous to uh, Andrew and Toby, and then his goodbyes oh, to and, uh, Ned, or uh, MJ and Ned, I should say. Also, I, I didn't say it at the, at the beginning, but uh, shout out to uh, Ned's actor, J- Jacob uh, Bolton, losing a pounds for this role. Yeah. Good on that, man. I wish I had that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah i mean but, uh, I, i've never yeah. seen this i never seen a sad friendship ha- handshake before <laughs> that was a first <laughs> yeah that that was definitely sad and, and mj's like i will find out again i will do it <laughs> yeah L- listen that whole sequence there there's a that whole sequence there with both toby and andrew there and that big hug there at the end and with Toby and Andrew kind of looking at Tom as he goes off, you know, uh, you, you could tell there's something there. We had our classic and, MCU emotional humor where Andrew's like, you're in serious pain, aren't you? He's like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was wondering how Toby and Andrew would sound with MCU humor, and I was very surprised by it. I, I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I enjoyed it too, and like again that sequence there with the sh- sad hand shake and the goodbye between MJ and Peter, which was really sad. And he had this really great score there at the end as well that really kind of emphasized you know what was going on. And the spell happens, and the spell works, and 
here we're a little bit closer to Christmas time. We go back to the shop that MJ's working at. And uh, he goes there. He has a speech, you know, kind of prepared to kind of like, hey, this is Peter Parker. You know me because yada, yada, yada. But you could tell he's kind of flirting with the idea of actually not telling them. And he orders a coffee. He sees Ned. And he talks to about talks to her about MIT and all this stuff. He knows about he her. Also know- he also be disappointed lying. Yep. And he also notices like the bandage on her on her head where she's she was cut in the battle at the end. And that's probably like a reminder of like everything they went through and the reason why he did what he did. And like, I will say, similar to Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. I do want to know how they kind of retconned everything that just happened. Cause they're, they're suggesting that again, they happy no Spider-Man. So I guess in this universe, Peter Parker has been there the whole time, but has been able to conceal it successfully. Like again, I think that's going to have to be, and maybe not necessarily have to be ex- explained in detail, but someone acknowledge like how that exactly happened. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. Everybody remembers Spider-Man that he participated in all these and all this stuff. And, but nobody knows who he is and all that stuff. And, you know, he decides he's going to let those two be in there at the end and puts away his little speech. And he says, I'll see you around, which, you know, I don't know. I feel like that at some point down the line, they will come back to that relationship. But I think it'll be in the next trilogy later on. Where I, I think there'll be plenty of new characters. Characters. I think there's going to be a new love entry. Yeah. I don't know. I do too. But, you know, I, I do kind of think they're going to go back to that a little bit. Maybe not go fully back to that, but, you know, throw some hints there. I'd say, I don't think they'll bring an actual Mary Jane or Gwen Stacy in. I think they kind of made that as, you know, that's that's Toby and Andrew's thing. But who knows? Maybe they get a, a Deborah Whitman in there, a Claire Cooper, a Yuri Watanabe. Uh, what, what else does he have? Uh, oh, Anna Marie McCartney could be a fun one. So, there's a lot of options. And, you know, from a friend's side, you know, they made Betty Brandt from a reporter for the Daily Bugle into just, you know, a teenage classmate. So maybe a Robbie Robertson can become his next friend. There's a lot of options they have, which I enjoy. Yeah, there's a lot of options there at the end. And, of course, in, you know, classic Spider-Man fashion, he's there and in his apartment, freaking broke. He, he's dropped out of high school. He's get he's getting his GD. I like that nice touch because Peter Parker doesn't e- exist. I guess he's not in the school system. Which again, yeah. I I want to know how he rebuilds his life there. I'm very interested in that, or how yeah. how he can afford a New York City apartment because, <laughs> bruh, <laughs> like it's like three k a month. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we see. One of the things I think we joked about here at the end um, with like him and Ned's friendship with uh, with the Palpatine from the Star Wars Lego set. <laughs> uh, I guess we should just bring this up now since uh, since I brought it up. But there's a tweet I saw here a few hours before we did this podcast, before we started. And there's a tweet that said, you know. No Way Home really used Palpatine in a more meaningful way than Rise of Skywalker. I cannot believe that this company, Disney, 
owns Marvel and Star Wars, and one got fan service, originality, and nostalgia wrong three times in a row, where this one in two and a half hours did it perfectly without any flaw. Like that, uh, that amazes me. Somewhere yeah. Kathleen Kennedy is punching air right now, or as you know, gonna get like a punching bag with Kevin Feige's face on it. <laughs> it just, I, I, I don't understand how this works. And again, this wasn't even all Disney. This, this was Sony involved too. Like they have yeah. probably the most say, and Sony did this right. I, I just don't understand it. I don't understand how this world works anymore. <laughs> it's so funny. I got this. Is the biggest. This is the biggest amazing thing that's ever happened in the history of cinema. <laughs> like <laughs> we had three Star Wars films in a row that were just wrong, and we somehow got a Spider-Man movie that was right in only one go. <laughs> Christ, <laughs> what is this world? <laughs> but of course, of which, uh, this is the six-year anniversary of Force Awakens being released. <laughs> Oh crap! I'm recording. <laughs> oh, <God. man. laughs> I, I uh, was twenty. I was twenty fifteen. Peter knew that. Hey, this is going to be horribly disappointing to you, but you're going to see Tobey Maguire Spider Man again, so it'll be worth it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Hang in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, after Last Jedi, I was struggling too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, a couple things here at the end. There, we have that moment. Of course, Peter was right there at the end with all the curing and the villains and all that stuff. So eventually he was right. Um, it took a lot of stuff to get there, but he was right. He has that moment where he's setting up his apartment. He's got his phone listening to the police scanner with all the prank sinks on there. He's sewing his own suit. And we get a brand new Spider-Man suit, which, Peter, I think I, I counted up the suits that we had in this movie. I think I counted at five that uh that we got. So we got... Our Far From Home suit that we got there at the end. We got our Iron Spider suit. We got the Black and Gold suit. Then we got the Far From Home suit, I think, combined a little bit with the Iron Spider suit with some of the aspects there. Yeah, when uh, Doc Ock released uh, the nano, the nanotech back, yeah. Yeah, and we get this homemade suit, which it kind of looks like an old classic Spider-Man suit. I need to find, uh, I need to go for the family picture album because I swear when t when I Christmas uh, Halloween two thousand two I went to Spider Man of course I don't think it was the I don't think it was like one to one Toby McGuire's suit because yeah, again it was like a was like ten bucks from Walmart probably <laughs> actually this was two thousand this was the Kmart days of Pittsburgh <laughs> so probably <laughs> even cheaper but th that color blue reminded me uh, I I think in my memories that's what they're going for so i i need an i need an 8k picture of that scene right now because it looks great yeah and i think somebody said they point out you know he's got toby spider logo on the front and andrew's on the back oh that's nice he, yeah they took inspiration from or from them and so Again, he's got a new spider-man suit like i predicted on the bot this is kind of a back to the future ending like from from Marty's standpoint, he has all this knowledge. It's kind of useless now. Yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating, and that's going to be a fascinating point to see how he kind of handles all that. Oh, before all that, the stuff. Uh, happy at May's grieve. I was kind of in, I was kind of surprised that uh, she wasn't next to Uncle Ben. Like it wasn't you know like a uh, a two for one grave that said you know May Parker and Ben Parker. That. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, 
Oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That scene is, that, that's a tough scene too. Which means I have to watch, I'm going to have to watch Spider-Man freshman year now to understand how that relationship, oh, there's too much MCU. <laughs> He's just roping in you in, Peter. Kevin's just roping you in until you can't get out. He's got me by the cojones and I can't stop him. <laughs> yeah, um, he, yeah, he's got your wallet. He, <laughs> he's got a lot of stuff. But, yeah. <laughs> he's going to have a lot of money after this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we get that final shot there. Peter, I love the song that they played during the ending credits with, you know, the, the song at the end of of the with the credits has the lyrics like three's the magic number which oh, <laughs> we yeah. see what you're doing there <laughs> oh i i just even before that the credits happen i i just love the idea of winter spider-man just like swinging through new york and snow like that was that just looked visually beautiful yeah and of course i mean we know that's christmas time with hawkeye with that going on so uh we get that ending and we get our first post-credit scene which i think i i mean i kind of figured you know with how the end of Venom Let There Be Carnage ended, I feel like it, it would be, you know, it's a one-to-one, like, you do the opposite. And uh, you have Venom there. He's sitting at a bar in Mexico. Eddie Brock talking. is not understanding this universe at all. This this poor bartender having to explain all this stuff to him. I uh, immediately thought of, after Endgame happened, somebody said they need to get Lou, uh, the actor who played Lewis from Ant-Man to, like, do a recap and, you know, like, that character style of storytelling. Yeah. We, we, we found the person he's telling the story to. It's going to be Eddie Brock's Venom, not understanding a whole thing. And Lewis the whole time is like, oh yeah, and this happened too. Like, wait, wait, th- what, what happened with this? <laughs> yeah, uh, the whole talk about, you know, aliens, like, <laughs> aliens do not like stones. <laughs> and they're talking about the Hulk name. The big green guy, like, my family disappeared for five years. Like, I do, that's a long time. Eddie, we're drunk. Let's go skinny dipping. <laughs> I, I need to watch, I need to watch carnage now just to see how we got to that venom <laughs> but i will say oh. i was kind of just i i, I kind of knew it was coming with how uh at the end when the spell worked uh all the villains and spider uh toby and andrew disappeared venom disappears but he does leave behind the uh the symbio which here we go we're, we're gonna have yep. broke miserable nobody no, nobody to trust peter parker and now a symbiote's in play. I'm really yeah, excited to see what evil Tom Holland would be like. That would be fun. I mean, we got, we kind of got a glimpse of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's brutal. I will say, though, now that I'm just immediately going back to his universe, uh, the uh, Tom Hardy version, it kind of really dampened my excitement for Morbius, because I'm starting to think now, okay, the multiverse is collapsing on itself, but I think it's just going to be redone by the end of it, so... Who knows? Maybe maybe there will be another dimensional, def, you know, uniting, connected. I don't know what words I'm looking for. Basically, a crossover between the Spider Verse and yeah. the MCU, which it sounds like yeah. Sony and Marvel are planning that they we absolutely have another Spider Man MCU film coming here. And uh, last I read that uh, they've been discussing future Spider further Spider Man collaborations. So. Hopefully we can see Tom Hardy's Venom and Tom Hardy meet or Tom Holland Spider-Man meet. So, but from, from the time being, it just seemed like it was just there to get the symbiote, which, Hey, that's not a bad thing. That's great. Yeah. I can only I mean, like you said, 
I can only I mean, imagine what Kevin Feige can do with that. Yeah, and like you said, like with Tom's Peter coming at coming in at the time that he's had with this movie, with all the stuff that's happened to him, <laughs> there could be no worse time for that symbiote to come in and enter his life than now. Oh, yeah. Um, and then we get a or post credits, but not really a post credits, kind of, uh, just a trailer basically. Basically, of, uh, like uh, the post credit for uh, First Avenger. Yeah, well, for a multiverse of madness and Peter, it looks really wacky. I'm not ready for this. Uh, I know you are. I mean, you got to see your, you got to see Wanda in this. I, I'm happy. It looks like they're teasing she's gonna be a hero in this. But hey, again, if she goes bad again, I'm part of the, I'm part of the Wanda did nothing wrong fan club. So. <laughs> If that happens, Doctor Strange immediately becomes the villain in my eyes. I mean, it kind of, and based off the trailer, I mean, that might be Strange Supreme there at the end. Again, what if is required reading? <laughs> yeah, like it, it totally looks insane. Of course, we got Sam Raimi directing it, which a uh, nice little tie-in here, Peter, with uh with uh Sam Raimi here and with Toby making an appearance in this. You know what, Peter? I got an idea. Hear me out. Oh, boy. You got Sam Raimi back doing Multiverse of Madness. Does a good job. You got a new Spider-Man trilogy. Give him Spider-Man 4. Oh. He never got to do it years ago. Give him the chance now. I... Did you get to the part in the podcast uh, last week when I said my absolute unrealistic dream would be we we would get a trailer for Spider-Man 4 and Amazing Spider-Man 3 at the end of this. Yeah. Oh. It, it could, again, it can just it could be easily Disney Plus. Yeah. <laughs> it can it can easily be Disney Plus, but uh I mean I would I, I mean, would that, love if we could get imagine if, we brought, if imagine if a cameo in this is Bully Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 10 out of 10. <laughs> I, I will say for this trailer though, uh I'm gonna I'm gonna completely butcher this actress' name. And I apologize. Uh, Zacato Gomez, I think she she's playing a America Chavez, Miss America. Yes, I'm very interested what her role is gonna be in this because it feels like an awkward place to introduce her, unless yeah, uh, yeah. unless there's some setup for Young Avengers. Because I think the character's kind of the Latin X Captain America. Is that right? I don't know too much about the character to, to, you know, comment on that. I don't know. Okay. But again, I think we're just going to have to see how that plays out. Oh, actually, wait, uh, no. I think this character has some time travel power. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Actually, hold on. Let, let, let's uh, let's check the most reliable place in the world, Wikipedia. <laughs> okay. Uh, superhuman strength. Fly. Okay. Uh, interdimensional travel and time travel. Okay. That makes more sense to me now. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, now it does make sense. She's there. Okay. I was wrong. I, th- I thought it was just the Latinx Captain America. Nope. Okay. Yeah. That trailer looks absolutely wacky. But, uh, oh, we, man. Lizzie, Lizzie in the Scarlet Witch costume. Fantastic. Yep. We got Evil <laughs> Doctor Strange. It, it looks weird. And I, I almost feel like it's going to be another repeat of No Way Home, where there's just so much in there that they just don't want to show for surprise reasons. Yeah. You thought the reckless speculation for No Way Home got out of control? 
here we go. <laughs> and again, this is a Doctor Strange without the time stone because the time stone was reduced to atoms and the one they got was from the ancient one so they had to go back in time. But again, it's reduced to atoms and I think the premise they said was he's going to research the time stone. So maybe he's trying to like put it back together maybe with the atoms? Maybe, yeah. That could be that's interesting. That that can definitely that could be something. It's going to be a wild one. And now we have Sorcerer Supreme Wong as well. Oh boy. <laughs> It's yeah, great to think that after Doctor Strange, which I think is probably one of the worst MCU movies, it somehow found a way to make its sequel uh, <laughs> the most anticipated film of all time for now. Uh, yeah, but uh, well, Peter, we, we don't have any Spider-Man left, but we do have some Batman left. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we, we don't know the MCU TV show schedule. Multiverse is until May 6th, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So DC, get your act together. Make sure Peacemaker is perfect and make sure Batman is God tier status because it's not looking good for you again. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think restoring the Snyderverse is going to help you that much, that much at this point, but who knows? Anything can help stop the, the train that is Kevin Feige's marble. Yeah. Um. So I guess let's close out with some thoughts about, you know, you know about this spire uh, this movie with this trilogy and where they can go forward peter you know i heard something interesting that i did not think of until i saw a video yesterday and kind of explained it like this and i thought like ooh that actually yeah that can line up where homecoming far from home and no way home are essentially like his full it's like this peter parker's full origin story but I thought about that, too, because I uh, rewatched No Way Home recently. And I was kind of surprised. I liked it more than I did my first couple times watching it. It's it's almost like their plan for this Spider-Man. I don't think I understood at first, but it was kind of like give him everything and like to show him like how you can't rely on that. Like homecoming. Yeah. Homecoming teaches him, you know. If you're if you're if you can't do this without the suit, then you shouldn't have the suit. Two teaches him, you know, the responsibilities of being a hero, and this one really just kind of reinforced all those ideas. Yeah, I think yeah. this was a it was an interesting way to go about it. I I think I still kind of think there were some Iron Man Junior elements that were kind of too much, which I I love how they kind of made fun of in the uh, opening sequence <laughs> with the uh, the time cover. <laughs> It, it was an interesting way to go about the Spider-Man origin, but, but again, we saw it twice with two different actors, so yeah, in a way, what do you do? And they went for it, and I think they made it work in the end. And now we have, you know, we have broke Peter Parker. Yeah. It, the way I kind of exp- learned it is like, imagine if Spider-Man 1 took place like Toby's Peter learning about how to be Spider-Man over the next few films, and then bam, he really understands what it means to be Spider-Man, and there he is. Mm-hmm. And and so, I mean, now with it uh, looks like a new trilogy on the horizon, there's a whole canvas that you can play around with, and you got a lot of stuff coming, including some of the Fox stuff, 
I think they said they got another kind of crossover where he appears in somebody else's film. And I mean, we don't know when this is, but I've seen bring up, you know, hey, maybe it's uh, Fantastic Four because, hey, you got John Watts directing Fantastic Four now. And also you got the connections with Fantastic Four and Spider-Man. Um, you know, I, I heard that I saw this brought up, which is like, Spider-Man's first appearance was in a Fantastic Four comic in which, like, he was this brand new character and they brought him and they had him in this book, but he had the most popular characters at the time, which were the Fantastic Four. Now, this time, maybe you do the inverse of that, where it's like the Fantastic Four or, or new characters to the MCU, they haven't gotten their due in the movies with Fox. And so, why not have... Spidey, being the most popular character now, kind of appear in their films and kind of help them out that way. That'd be fun. Yeah, you know, that would, other that would help him, you know, maybe reestablish himself within the Avengers and all the MCU community. Right. And, you know, it'd be fun because he, he basically has all the knowledge they would need. It helps him give them a leg up, you know, like really get them up to speed in the MCU. I think it's going to depend yeah. how they bring the Fantastic Four there because I, I feel like they're going to keep them in the '60s and then somehow they'll time travel to the present day or who knows what what they could do with the Fantastic Four. I think yeah. it's going to depend who the cast is because if they can land the John Krasinski and Emily Blunt thing, I think it'll sell itself. But that's looking yeah. less and less likely as it's gone on. So. Yeah, I mean, like one thing you can do it gives Peter a friend and Johnny Storm. Oh, God, it'll be perfect. And uh, it gives him that. It also gives him a, a new kind of family. and gives him some people to hang around with that uh, that they, that actually knows him, that he can introduce himself to them, and they become really close. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, there there's some stuff you can definitely do here. Uh, I mean, but... It, it makes sense because it's the only one that you can really think of at the moment. But, I mean, you can do so much with Spider-Man now. With, like, now you brought in Kingpin and uh, and Hawkeye. Does he play a part in this? Him and Daredevil are close in the comics. Does we Do, do we see that relationship unfold on camera? Uh, there's a whole lot of directions they could go with. Obviously, we got the Venom symbiote coming there's a whole lot of ways i can go here oh and just just think uh before before this this current film became you know what it was of toby and andrew and all the villains coming back it was supposed to be a craven the hunter film so that's on the table and mm -hmm. you know spider-man's compared to batman you know these are the two in their respective companies that have the deepest roster of villains you know can they bring in his own, their version of Doc Ock and Green Goblin, but this time he knows like how to maybe handle it or like try to like stop it maybe? Yeah. Or again, the, do we that's... start bringing, you know, do we start bringing maybe Jackal? Do we get Hydro Man here? Do we get Black Cat, Hobgoblin? Does, oh, because uh, the third incarnation of Hob Hobgoblin is Ned Leeds. Yeah. <laughs> so could that be an interesting thing where Ned somehow become? You know, he distanced himself from MJ and Ned. He wants them to live their lives. Somehow Ned gets that in him. And now, you know, 
he's got to fight that and save him. Like, that's interesting to me. Yeah, that could be an interesting aspect with that whole thing where, like, Ned not remembering him. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they could actually make that little tease there at the end of, like, you know, I'm never going to become a villain. I almost feel like that's what's about to happen. Oh, man. Oh, like, did we just crack the code? <laughs> I think we just did. Kevin, we figured oh, it out. We got you, Feige and Amy Pascal. <laughs> We're on to you. That's why he lost all the weight, so he could be Hobgoblin. Uh, Peter, uh, hold on. I, uh, Peter, I see a red dot somewhere. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, uh oh. Oh, no. That, that, oh, uh, sorry. That, that's, that's just goofy. It's because I was trash talking Star Wars recently. Hold on. I accept it. Mandalorian's great. Star Wars can be good in Disney. Go away. What an a hole. <laughs> so, I mean, Peter, do you have any uh, concluding thoughts on the this film or anything Spider Man related? I feel like I've said all I can. It was, uh, it did exactly what I wanted to do, but it didn't feel bad. <laughs> Which, uh, I, again, you, you, you feel like maybe it could have been too fan servicey or just got too overbloated with ideas. Because again, the weakness of these Spider-Man movies has always been if you're, if you have more than one villain, it gets a little dicey. This one had yeah. five and it worked perfectly. Mm-hmm. It, it helped that we knew these villains beforehand and they only yeah. focus on really three of them. But, yeah. This, I, I'm confident in saying this was the best Spider-Man film I've seen. And, uh, God, I'm, uh... Oh, funny enough, Ryan, isn't this episode 99? Yeah. So next week will be our Hawkeye review and, uh, you guessed it, since the year is over with MCU content, it's time for a re-rank. Oh God! Yeah. No. This one's gonna be brutal. Yeah, we have not done one in well over two years. Two years, since, and we have yeah, like so... four new films now, and four. Sh oh, this is gonna get bad. I mean, funny enough, we did it right after Far From Home. So exactly. Hey. <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah, the, and, uh, I don't know what that list. What I don't even remember the first one we did back in 2018. I don't even remember that, but oh boy, this is going to be hard. Yeah, and uh, I think we also plan to have another Spider-Man No Way Home discussion. I think we've talked about that, if uh, that unfolds. Yeah, Matt and Rebecca oh. wanted to be here, but schedules are weird, so it might be like Rise of Skywalker, where we have a second perspective, but it'll be more uh, Matt and Rebecca. Yeah. But, but this is for different reasons. The second Rise of Skywalker pod was me and Matt had to trash it to death, but now... It'll just be more of a love fest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so look for those down the line. Th those are going to be two fun pods as we kind of close out this year. Guys, what can I say? It's here. It finally happened. No Way Home's here. And uh, boy, what a ride it was. We can confidently say, hey, they freaking did it. They did the thing, and they did it well. So that'll be... A if for us here, everybody, again, look out for those pods in the near future. Be sure to go subscribe to us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Wherever you guys get your podcasts, follow us on there. Give us the five-star ratings and all that good stuff. Follow us on Twitter at 573pods. So that'll do it for me and Peter here. And until the next entertainment pod, we'll talk to you guys next time.